on the official home of the Canucks. Tiki Pete comes out of the box and puts the puck into the back of the net. Sportsnet 650. Welcome back. Vic Nazar, Craig McEwen here on the home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. Vic and the boss. Text message inbox lighting it up right now. Uh, we were going to do this later on the show, but let's do it right now. We threw it by Batch uh, with his answer. Pretty good one. The puck or the skate from uh, Kirk McLean in 94. Off Robert Reichel. Yeah. Yes. What a, I what still, a, I still what to a pad day, stack. I still to this day don't know why Flurry didn't shoot. Uh, <laughs> but, hey, he passed. That's fine. Um so a lot of you wanted you wanted in. the goalpost. He he mentioned wanted, a Lafayette shot. You wanted yeah. the actual goal goalpost. You know, think, even cut in half. Like just have the post sitting there. Yeah, just, you just, know, just not saw the, the net. net off. Yeah, yeah. I saw the whole net off. Take the netting off. I want just the post. Just hang it on the wall. I think that'd be man. That's a that's a great memento to to me. That's, so yes. Yeah, so, so what we're looking for here, a radio station in Atlanta did this. A sports talk station there is. You could have one one memento of Canucks history. What would it be? And look, it can be anything you want. And it can be as random. Like, if you told me you wanted the jockstrap of Sammy Sallows from that infamous moment, hey, look, do it. It's yours. But be specific. So hit us up, 650. All right, I've, I've got three. I've got three to kick this. You've this got party three. Off. All right. I have okay. three of them. I, so I, the, the... I, okay. I've got a couple, but uh, yeah. some of them are a bit more. Uh, uh, specific and odd than the others. My mine are not. Yeah, they're a bit odd. So okay. first of all, what I w- would like to get is is a is a shard or a piece of the plexiglass when Trevor Linden put Jeff Norton through the glass. Oh, there in the you playoffs. go. Yeah, yeah. So so some of that glass hanging on your 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 mantle or something. Someone said, "Hey, what's that from?" Well, that's when Linden you know put Norton into the first row in a playoff series. Uh, the other thing I'd like to get. Is the C from Mark Messier's jersey being the captain? Of the <laughs> that's awesome. The Messier that's, C would that's be, really funny. Would be uh, another great conversation starter. And then, lastly, finally, last but not least, wait, wait, wait. Is this the gold medal? So, like, this was your podium. This is the gold medal one. Yes, this is my gold medal one. So, that, right. that, I kind of went in order. This is the gold medal one. The microphone that Marcus Naslin used when he said we choked. You know, was so open, so honest. The Canucks blow the division lead on the last day of the year. Had a couple opportunities on the gimme oh, puck, man. couldn't get it done. And Naslin, you know, again, such a nice man, incredibly thoughtful, and he just said we choked. I'd love to have that microphone just sitting in in my uh, my den. Uh, okay, so keep sending him, and we're getting a lot of good ones. Uh, keep sending them in. So here, so here's my podium. I already said my gold is is a Lafayette post. Now, yeah. maybe I'm misremembering this incident, but I, I'm going to step out on a limb here. But I, this is so, so bad. I want Shane Churla's mouth guard. <laughs> you know, from the elbow. So I, yep. I, can't, I can't remember if there was a mouth guard, if it went flying, but I'm assuming he had one. Uh, so I want that one from the Burray elbow. And then I think also on my podium is the, the, the paper... AV was holding up when Vern Fiddler skated by, and you know, AV's like cracking up on the bench, and he's like covering yeah. his face with paper. I want the piece of paper. That's what I want. Okay. Yeah, I can I can buy that. 
that, that's good. We have quite a few here in the uh, Dunbar. Oh, yeah, here we go. Burry's elbow pad. Yep. yep. Burry's elbow pad from that hit on Churla. Just imagine that today. How many games is he getting suspended for that? It, oh, yeah. it wasn't even a penalty. There was nothing. It was just Pavel Burry getting PO'd that he'd you know, been chased around and hit and whacked and slashed, and he just took matters into his own hands. Uh, okay, so there's a lot coming in for Burry's parachute. Uh, from his first practice at Britannia. At Britannia, yes. Yeah. His first practice was at Britannia. Uh, Canucks, I can't remember why they couldn't get into the rink or, or what it was, but Burray skating with the parachute. And and listen, Pavel was kind of ahead of his time back then in some of the plyometrics and some of the uh, things he was doing on the ice when it came to getting faster and stronger. And, and yeah, that, that'd be a good one, the Burray parachute. Uh, the other popular one we're getting is... Uh, the towel, like the original towel from Roger Nielsen, putting it at the end of the stick and that. Uh, so Yeah, what a moment, huh? Yeah. And, Those... and so simplistic in its execution. And, hey, we're, we've had enough of this. We're just waving the white towel. And why no one had ever thought of that before it was beyond me. But, yeah, that, that, would, that would quite be something. You remember how Roger Nielsen got to be behind the bench because Harry Neal was there and the, there was that fight in the Colisee in the Quebec. The players went up in the stand. So maybe a piece of hair one of the players grabbed from one of the uh, Nordiques fans. That would be good. Uh, this one, I want the fire bending banner. <laughs> uh, I keep coming in. Uh, I'd like the pen that Matt Sundin used to sign the ridiculous contract when he came here. You know, like there would be some funny ones like that, like – uh, a draft day one or something like that. Yeah. Um, well, you remember the Berkey quote about, you know, if Trent Klatt could get, you know, a million yeah. or three or something, he'd drive him to the airport. You know, maybe the car that Berkey was going to drive Klatt to the airport in. Yeah. Uh, that'd be a good one. Um, oh, come on. See, now we're getting bathroom stall ones from, from Anaheim. Guys, come on. You can do better than that. Surely we can do better than this. I was in the building that night. That was... <laughs> Danny Sabrin, was it not who went oh, in? Yeah. Yep. Just, we're like, what is going on? Where did he go? Where did Luongo go? Yeah, that was that was, um, that was was a crazy, crazy evening. And then finding out what had transpired later. And then so bad that he kind of lost focus because he was so good for the Canucks in, the, in that playoffs and how well he played making the playoffs for the first time. It was incredible. Uh, some support now for uh, yeah Danny Sabrin. A couple of people want that. Uh, a lot of votes for the stanchion as well. Uh, yeah, and 650, course, 650, yeah. Dunbar Lumber, text inbox. Uh, I want a clump of Keith's hair that Burroughs pulled out. <laughs> <laughs> Duncan Keith in the news. What about know, going, Bergeron's glove? Yes. Right? Like, marks. Yeah. yeah, that'd be a pretty good one. Uh Another underrated one? What about Gretzky's phone? You know, from the infamous call of, like, make up your mind. Like, nope, hang up. What about that phone? <laughs> now, mind you, it's probably like a landline, but still. Yeah, that would that would be an interesting piece of Canuck lore and history. Yeah. I, I feel like there's all these little niche ones that you could uh, grab and just like, yeah, just prop it up in your house and... Uh... <laughs> Han saying, I, I want the, the plane that flew the fire burning banner. <laughs> Marcus and Gibson's, I want the gum Willie chewed behind the bench. Oh, I mean, sure. That's a little gross. That's a little gross. Sorry, what was that, Greg? I was going to say a Pat Quinn cigar would be a good uh, eh, it's pretty good. little keepsake to have, maybe. 
I remember Bick one time coming off the North Shore and traffic was bad going down the cut. Early days, I was at Sports Page, wasn't even at Sportsnet yet. And there's just this waft of cigar smoke or smell. I'm like, who's smoking the cigar? And drove up beside this this nice Mercedes, and there's Pat Quinn just with a big stogie in his mouth and, and polluting the airways up and down the uh, cut in North Vancouver. Uh, see, Brian from Nanaimo, clever one here. Uh, you know, it, it's enhancing the bit and taking a new piece. The whistle that the ref put away that caused Nielsen to throw up the towel. That's nice. I see it working. Uh, yeah, one of John Garrett's stained ties from the steamer dog, Mike in Tawasson. Uh Keep the text coming in. We'll continue this conversation uh, as we move forward. Uh, but, we, okay, look, we were talking about with, with Batch. Uh, and, and Sap brought up this great point last week. It's like, hey, the ninth overall, there's potential. Like, if you get a Ken Johnson and he hits, we see the upside there on a player like that. A Fabian Lysel, uh, William Eklund, should he fall? If a D-man falls to you that we didn't really expect, you know, like a Quinn Hughes 2.0. Not that he becomes Quinn Hughes, just a, a demon that you didn't expect to, to slide to at nine. The potential exists for the Vancouver Canucks to draft someone at ninth overall, same spot Bo Horvat was drafted. The potential exists to get someone better than Bo Horvat. And how much do you uh, expect that to happen? And the conversation, you know, we were throwing around with batches. Do you think Bo Horvat has peaked? He's 26 years old and kind of in that no. range where we kind of look no. at and say, hey, no. this is stop it. This stop is who it. you are now. It, it happens often with players. And it just it got my mind racing of, hey, where are we? Because he's two years left in his deal. Again, 26 years old. Uh, this is kind of the range player's plateau. And look, I, I think it's interesting because I think it's a very layered topic because supporting cast really matters in this scenario. But you know what's going to happen in the NHL, C-Mac? Like, younger players are going to come in and guys are going to – skate past Bo Horvat here pretty soon as far as, like, hierarchy of the centers. Just because that's how it goes. And, like, how much better is Bo Horvat going to get? And that doesn't mean he's bad. It doesn't mean you got to get off of this guy or anything like that. It's just, have we... Are, are we going to prepare for the this version of Bo Horvat for the next five years? In seven years, I can see someone skating by him. Seven years. 26 to about the, to 33. Listen... You kids today and in wanting to turn the game over to all the young guys, there's experience, there's the tenacity, there's the drive. Bo Horvat learned at the hand of the Sedins. And the one thing that Sedins taught us year in, year out, that just when you kind of thought that they couldn't get better, they did. They found a way to continue to improve, to continue to work on their game. And I'm a big believer in Bo in the fact that he has that same mentality. He saw what the Sedins could do. Come into every training camp, the fittest guys. Bo is now leading the charge. Jim Benning said it. He, he's kind of the guy that does things the right way in that locker room. So I, you know, at 26, where Bo is, there's still lots of room for him to improve. And hopefully his wingers improve, that he's allowed to play with some better players because we've seen it in the playoffs. He has another gear. He's risen to the occasion last year in the bubble, scored some great goals, was very impactful. His skating, yes, he's not going to be a big distributor of the puck, but the way he can drive play and, and go after it, 
not the players sleepwalk through the regular season, but they're not playing that intense, high-level hockey. Bo showed that, and and I believe he has another few gears to 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 give and get better. I want to dissect something here. The idea that Bo Horvat does things the right way—that's look. I, I'm not disputing it. It's just like that's not exclusive to Bo Horvat. Like I, I'm I'm looking at Nick Suzuki. Man, Nick Suzuki does a lot of things the right way. A lot of players across the league do things the right way. This idea that, hey, that's part of Bo's mystique is, hey, he does things the right way. There's a lot of players doing things the right way. I think we and need to cancel that don't. out. There's sure, but, don't, you know. but we're talking about getting better in this scenario. We're talking about where do you stand amongst your NHL brethren. I'm telling you right now, like, I, I, I'm just as impressed with Nick Suzuki at his age than I've been at Bo Horvat at his age. And look, this isn't about poor player or anything like that, but it matters where you stand in the NHL. And we're going to see an influx of centers now as Bo gets to a certain age. And yeah, I'm turning it over to the young guard, but like Suzuki looks pretty impressive despite being significantly younger than Bo. And there's going to be a, a, a slew of guys that start doing this that you know are equal to and are younger. And at that stage, if you're equal to, you pretty much bet on that guy instead of the 27, 28, 29 year old. So let me counter this. So do you think Suzuki then is, is a top line center, not a second line center? As it stands right now, I would say Suzuki is a elite second line center with the potential to get better. Ooh, see, I would disagree with you. I, I, I would put him more in the top line center in Pedersen's class, the the judgment or the comparable, or for me when I look at that, is is that not with Bo Horvat? You you, you got to remember this: is that Bo will never be. I mean, I guess "never" is too strong a word, but it's very unlikely he's going to be the top center. I mean, you on can a argue, championship team we're talking about, like yes, on a yeah. championship team. If you went to an expansion team, okay, whatever. But let's let's say a, a really good championship team. But can he be a number two center? Some yeah. people would say yes. Some people would say, oh, maybe three. But I, I see him being his number two. So when you look at it and you have to gauge where he falls in the, you know, not even if you want to give each team a top center, then you want to look at the, the second line centers of every team. Where does Bo fall there? How much room can he improve? Can he push into that top group of 30 plus? I would say yes. But I, I don't know that the comparable can be Suzuki in the sense that, in my humble estimation, that guy's trending more to be the number one guy in Montreal as opposed to a number two. Text coming in here. Uh, conversations like this are pe why people slam Vancouver sports media. A guy was a stud in the playoffs, heart and soul of the leader of the team, and we're discussing if he's washed up. Literally nobody has said he is washed up. We're just asking, is this the peak of Bohorvet? Or is there more to come? from Bo Horvat. That, like, this is the question we're talking about. And look, I, I look at it in relation to, okay, I, I get what you're saying, C-Mac, of like, hey, it's not apples to apples comparisons, but like, he's the top 10 pick. I, I, I get what you're talking about with Nick Suzuki, but like, that to me is one of the reasons that we're having this conversation is guys do either meet him or pass him on the depth chart in the NHL of centers. And I just think it's an interesting point to start looking at it to say when you look at him, 
is he a top 40 center with an arrow pointing up or is it a neutral arrow or an arrow pointing down because other guys are going to usurp him on that depth chart? It's going up a hundred percent here in the 650, 650 Dunbar lumber text inbox. Patrice Bergeron got better year after year. Bo isn't Bergeron, but I'd say he can still improve. See, that, there, that's like an there, un, unreasonable expectation. Like, Patrice Bergeron's walking into the Hall of Fame. Walking into the Hall of Fame. Where, like, where are we in that context, in that conversation for Bo Horvat? I'm, I'm asking if his name is going to go in the Ring of Honor. Yeah, fair point. But at the same token, again, there's a want and desire or a will. And, and you said a lot of players have it. And they do. But that's what separates the great from the good or the exceptional from the average NHLer. Some guys get it. Some guys work on their skill set. Some guys are just happy to be in the league, you know, collect a, a nice living and, and maybe never amount to what you thought they were. To me, Bo Horvat has that want and desire and will from what I've seen since he broke into the league, what I've seen since he was drafted that he wants to get better. He wants to lead the hockey team. So that's why I, I, I have the arrow pointing up as opposed to, you know, being a neutral or, or going down. Uh, Blair, 650-650. Bo is mint and could get even better. Hungry on the puck. Reminds me of Nate McKinnon. Figure it out. Uh, I think that's just from Blair. Uh, 650, 650. Didn't compare him to Bergeron. We were talking if he can still get better. With Bo's work ethic, he can still become better. Uh, there's like the... What's interesting, though, too, about this is the teammate or the line mate argument is the one that always shines through. And, and I will gladly concede that to say it's fair that we maybe haven't seen... Bo put in ideal scenarios. That's absolutely fair. But we're, we're, the Canucks are slowly, you'd like to see it speed up a bit more often, but they are slowly improving. And we are going to get to a stage now where we look at, hey, Hoaglander's going to be on his line, but Colson's going to be on his line. Maybe they go acquire another top six winger and Pearson you know, slowly gravitates down the lineup into a more uh, role befitting of his skill set and we see someone that's better than Tanner Pearson sliding that spot. Like, this is going to be one of the first years, similar to where where we were with Travis Green, I guess, two years ago, where it's like, hey, the team's finally at a stage. This is one of the first years we get to accurately judge you. This is going to be one of the first years we get to accurately judge Bo Horvat this upcoming season, assuming one extra move is made. Yeah, that move has to be made. In the sense of, we can still evaluate him. Obviously, we can. But if, if things stay the same and, and he is put with the same type of wingers that he's had, uh, the jury still has to be out a little bit. And again, I'm not so um, wanting, willing, and, and able to say, hey, at 26, like there's no no real room for great growth. Listen, everyone can improve incrementally. I still believe in Bo and feel that given some better line mates, some running mates, that that he can have a lot more impact on the game when he's not having to do maybe a lot more by himself uh, because he just doesn't have the running mates that, that make it easier for him. Uh, Kyle from the island. Bowen Pearson on a good team would make the start of a great third line. 
Uh, and this one, uh, you're comparing Suzuki to Horvat. What kind of hell? What the hell kind of comparison is that? Who is Suzuki playing with, and who has Bo Horvat played with? Nugent Hopkins is on par and plays with McDavid now. How are you rating him, Suzuki, as elite after one good season? Horvat has had the burden of playing other teams' best lines with no skill on his wings. Get real. That is Brendan in Nanaimo. Hey, man, Nick Suzuki is in the Stanley Cup final. Nick Suzuki went up against Vegas and thrived against Chandler Stevenson and William Carlson. I when Stevenson wasn't hurt. Hey, but look. We had Bo Horvat in the playoffs versus Vegas last year. I understand Canucks players were hurt, but they cratered. They sat back willingly because it was their best chance. But Nick Suzuki went after these guys. He, See, he's a smart, intelligent player. He won that he, series. He did the game plan. Bo followed what Travis wanted him to do. That that That's showing intelligence. Or, or perhaps, perhaps you're able to do that because he's a better player. That's, look, that's on the outcome of... Of, of, sorry, that's on the spectrum of potential outcomes here. That you're able to be more aggressive. You're able to play on the front foot because he's better suited for it. Or has better wingers and, and running mates. Just saying. Not saying, just saying. That's a great not saying. We should uh, do this again at 4, uh, 440. You can text in 650, <laughs> 650. Uh, we'll continue that conversation. Uh, send in your thoughts. A lot of great more, uh, more submissions for the one piece of Canucks history that you would love to have uh, this one coming on Twitter. Uh, Gretzky's stick uh, that Nedved asked in the handshake line. That's from uh, Gonzo oh, at, yes. at, at Gonzo underscore Nux fan. Remember how shocking that was? So <laughs> European or what you do with soccer jerseys. Yeah. But when he did that after losing to everyone would just lost their mind. That was one of those moments, kind of like when Naslin said we choke, like one of those things where you just don't see or or hear from. Here's another one in the Dunbar Lumber text inbox. Bobby Lou's toque from the Winter Classic. That's from Kyle on the island. The, the Winter Classic. Oh man! Oh man! Oh man! Just the anything, beginning of the end of yeah. Wongo. Just anything from the Winter Classic would be amazing. Yeah, what, was it a Heritage Classic? I don't think it was called the Winter Classic. Yeah, it was. It was, it was the Heritage Classic. Classic. But we yeah. all know what we're talking about here. Yeah. No, I know. Um, I, I would want the lid of the Western Conference Championship trophy that fell to the ice when Linden hoisted it up. That's from Two Ton Tony. Oh, this one's great. The puck on Louis Erickson's first own goal. Uh, Sebastian Roy, the Frenchman. Roy, the Frenchman. Nice. That's awesome. Uh, keep your uh, one piece of uh, Canucks history that you would love coming in 650-650 into the text message inbox. We'll continue continue the conversation on uh, that and Euro 2020 uh, semifinals are set to go tomorrow. We'll uh, talk about that here on the home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. Yes, I want the poker table, Bick, from that commercial. <laughs> the Swedish Twins commercial. I didn't even think of like commercials like I, I went off the board with the the phone Gretzky used you know it, it's part of Canucks lore I didn't even think of commercials that's hilarious that's a good one so out of character too and and I can just remember watching that and bursting out laughing going <laughs> whoever thought of that genius reminded me kind of of you know the Mariners used to have those great commercials and probably still yeah. do. Uh, yeah. the, the, whoever did that, but yeah, that was awesome. The the knocking on the door, the Sedin twins show up at this uh, stag in a hotel room. But I, I want to, that my piece of history there would be that poker table, just to have that in your house to talk about the fact that the Sedin showed up as Swedish twins. What about the boombox? The, the guy turns the music on. 
<laughs> yes. Yeah, that'd be good. Uh, Vic the Tsar, Craig McEwen here on Vic and the Boss. Uh, we're having a laugh with this uh, idea, this topic. If you could own one piece of Canucks history, what would it be? Uh, send it in, 650 is $650. Uh, lots of good ones coming into the text message inbox, C-Mac. Yeah, lots. Uh, Reed and Surrey kind of uh, riffing off what I mentioned earlier. The Esatikinen's bucket, that would be a good one. Or the oh, C ripped off awesome. Messier's jersey. Yeah, Tikkanen, I would go one further. I was a huge Yuri Bubla fan as a kid. Why? I have no idea. Love the way he skulked along the blue line and threw his hip out. So I, I was kind of thinking I, I wouldn't mind uh, Bubla's Yofa bucket. He came over as a rookie, you know, and a very old rookie from uh, Czechoslovakia and played. Uh, that would that would be uh, something that'd be pretty cool. I love this one. I want the car Chubarov left in the garage. <laughs> True story for those of you who, who oh, don't yeah. know. He uh, had a. I believe it was a Mercedes, might have been a BMW, something, a really nice car parked underneath at the rink uh, at Rogers Arena there and just left it there. Went back to Europe and never never got it. Sat there forever. Everyone's wondering, what are we going to do with this car? It's just sitting here. Chuby's not coming back. He doesn't want his car. What, what's happening? It just, it, yeah, that would be, that would be a great uh, showpiece to have drive around in. Uh, keep the thoughts coming in. 650, 650. Uh, I want Roberto Luongo's neck protector with the captain's C on it. Uh, that's a good one. Uh, yeah, a lot of great uh, little mementos. We'll continue that conversation. Send them in. 650, 650 into our Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. Uh, we, were, we were talking earlier today. Game four going tonight as well for the uh, Stanley Cup Finals. Uh, I mentioned this earlier for my don't at me. Dynasties are an awesome thing because it should evoke emotions for the rest of us to try to take down this dynasty. And and you need a good villain in the league. And not, you know, I think a lot of people look at Tampa Bay, not really villains, but it's starting to emerge. A lot of people are irked by the cap circumvention, even though it's all within the rules of the game. But it's... it's uh, part of it and and when you start sustaining success a little bit of hubris starts coming out as well and uh epitomized by the mayor of tampa bay uh with her quote that i'm sure you've heard by now but if you haven't uh here it is here's what the, the mayor of tampa bay had to say what we would like is for the lightning to take it a little bit easy to give the Canadians just the smallest break, allow them to win one at home, and then bring it back to the Amelie Arena for the final and the winning of the Stanley Cup. But we don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but they are playing some amazing, amazing hockey. That is uh, Jane Castor, uh, Tampa Bay mayor. That's, like, I, I get it. Everyone wants to see a cup win in your home ice, all that sort of stuff. That is crazy amount of hubris to say, ah, we're all right. It's three nothing. Coast today. Don't worry about it. Game five. Fans are gonna be ramped up and let's have the celebration at home. See, this is why dynasties are so awesome. Don't you want to start beating Tampa Bay now? Champa Bay, as they were calling it, because oh, the box brutal. now Tampa. Yeah. You're right. Villains in sports or those organizations that you want to knock off the evil empire. When you hear something like that, it just reminds you uh, the great 
rivalry and how, you know, in sport you, you want to take down the best, but you don't want these teams to run away with it. And also the morning show said it reminded them of sat somehow. I'm not, I'm not sure how they, they got the Tampa mayor and sat together, but they Wait, had a little what? bit of fun on it. Yes. The, the, this morning, the, the morning show, uh, Halford and Bruff, they were kind of comparing the sound of the mayor to sat and whose voice was higher. They had a little, little fun with it. I Hang believe on. Greg, Greg can we hear? Yeah. Greg, can we hear the mayor sat. again? Here's Just like what a short we bit. would like. Okay, and here's what we would like. <laughs> Do we have some sat? We keep hoping. Oh, wow. We keep hoping. <laughs> here's what we would like. Okay, I, I don't see it, but that's pretty funny. No, you got to hear it. You don't have to see anything. No, but like... I, 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 I hear that. The, I guess it's the, the octave of where Sat's voice went to. So it was a little reminiscent of, of the mayor, but they, they had some fun with it uh, this morning. Yeah. On, on the, Greg, the morning can we hear show. him back again? Keep hoping. Here's what we would like. <laughs> I'm just laughing with a clip on Sat. That's such a great clip. I, I don't think they sound that similar, but that's pretty funny. Theater of the mind, buddy. Theater of the mind. It, it, it's it's kind of like Sat's laugh, which has got some uh, run as well on the radio station for for how he laughs. But yes. Oh no! Guess who's texting me right now? I'm I'm guessing it's uh, Randeep. Uh, no, it's <laughs> it's Sat Shaw, but it's not about this. I'm not sure if he's listening. He just texted me about other stuff. Oh, interesting. Well, you, uh, you'll have to bring that up on the People Show because today, once again, the Stanley Cup final on our airwaves at five o'clock. The People Show working all of about thirty seconds, so maybe the the fifteen of those thirty could be brought in to get Sat's take or thoughts on if there's any similarities between the mayor and his uh, his vocal range as well. Can't can't wait to do this, Riccio. I imagine I'm just salivating getting ready for this. Uh, well, yeah, we'll definitely bring that up. How do we even get here? Oh, the mayor of Tampa Bay. Uh, yeah, no, but that level of hubris, like that's, you know, that's what you should be aspiring to, to try to topple now. And, and this is why dynasties are great for the other teams in the, or the other, uh, fan bases in the league. It's now you have a target for your, your hate. It's, we got to beat those guys because they are flaunting that that championship level that we all aspire to get to but it hasn't been won yet and here's the mayor just like ah do it on our home ice it's a little bit too uh laissez-faire for me well think of the arrogance you know when you used to go into edmonton the city of champions how much did that rub you the wrong way when you kind of drove in there back in the day because they had so so much success, whether it was the Eskimos beating up on the Lions or the Oilers beating on the Canucks? Nowadays, it's so difficult in the salary cap uh, world that we live in in sports to, to keep the, the good times rolling. But in this case, the fact that they circumvented the cap with an injury with the player who has the most points in the playoffs kind of leads to that little bit of mm, kind of rubbing salt in the wounds, how they were able to get around that. Now, you can argue that his uh, return to action was similar to other people who had the same injury and all that sort of stuff. But it, it plays on the fact that this team 
when they're that good and can play so many different ways, and then you have a mayor saying, well, let's just lose it in Montreal so we can all celebrate in Tampa and, and have a really good party here at home, that 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 is a, quite arrogant, in my opinion. And, and that arrogance or cockiness, I guess, is is what drives the opposition and, and opposing fans to kind of hate on a, a pro sports team. Nick Nazar, Craig McEwen here on the home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. Uh, Euro 2020 is getting ready for the fi- uh, semifinals tomorrow. Final goes on Sunday. Uh, so we're going to see Spain versus Italy and England versus Denmark. And we've done this thing, C-Mac, you and I, of, hey, worried about English chan- uh, the, the English chances of the next match. We didn't do that versus the Ukraine. But this Danish side is... Uh, they have emerged as the team of destiny. It felt that way after they got that result in the third group stage. But all they've done is stack great performance after great performance. And they are not just the feel-good story. They are an entertaining team to watch right now as well. Yes. And here's the thing. When I look at England, all kidding aside, what adversity have they faced outside of you know drawing the Scots? They really haven't been put to the test in a well playing Germany. Situation. To be fair, to be fair, go, being pitted against Germany and look, I, I know downward trend for Germany right now heading in, in international soccer, but historically, having to go up against those, the, the German teams has been a traditional mental block for a lot of English teams in the past. So I would I would say that's adversity in taking as long as they did to score that goal, even though they were you know in control of that match. Uh, To me, that's more mental than adversity. To me, that's getting over a hurdle. The adversity of being down a goal or conceding. And listen, they may run the table here and, and, you know, pull off one of the greatest uh, Euro championship runs in the history of, of soccer. But bottom line, this Danish team will give them some problems. If this Danish team can get out front, I want to see how England responds in that regard. Listen, you know, Pitt... Pickford's almost lost his mind a few times. And again, the, the, <laughs> you hate poser, goalies. You oh, hate goalies yelling elements of keepers just yelling and screaming <laughs> because they know the cameras on them at that, that, that moment is just so upsetting to me. You just want to walk back there and, and tell the guy, Hey, act like you've been in the end zone before, but bottom line, England has not faced a deficit that they haven't been down. And, you know, my hope would be that, that Denmark pushes them and, and really gives them a challenge. And we'll see what the, the English side is made of. Because, listen, they Brendan Batchelor talked about it, him, he of the bucket hat. They, they, he, they have some very skilled, impactful players come off the bench attacking. They can play, you know, whether three in the back, four in the back. However it works out, they, they've been well coached and, and are set up nicely in this tournament. Uh, but the the Danes are are aside. I don't. I won't call them a team of destiny. But what they've been through, that's adversity. What they've overcome, that's you know, above and beyond normal sport. So I like Denmark as a country to give England a push. Do they have the talent overall, top to bottom? No, but can be a very difficult side to beat. On the other side, I, I still feel like it's going to be England advancing as much as. The Danes, you know, captures people's hearts and imaginations. Look, there's a, a talent gap there. And, and England, well-structured throughout the course of this tournament. I, at times, have wished they'd been a bit more uh, progressive and a bit more ambitious in their tactics. 
and their desire to you know be on the front foot. But hey, they're not conceding; they're winning. That's the way they're playing, and it's being it's proven to be very effective. I would expect them to once again advance to the final, and that's bare minimum at this stage now, having overcome that Germany hurdle. The other side, that Italy Spain game. Look, I I backed Portugal and Italy to begin this, the, the 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 Euros, and the Italians have emerged as kind of everyone's favorite at this stage, playing some attractive football, scoring goals, you know, being compact, and yet the Spanish team. This is gonna be a loose theory here, but this they kind of feel like a college basketball team that's like high event. That like yeah. wants to play high octane and like, hey, let's just put up some threes and sure we, we might be a bit porous defensively, but we're gonna get a couple of more and it's March Madness and we can go on a run. They kind of feel like that. And it is kind of fun to watch. At the same time, I do wonder if now that we're at the certain stage of the tournament, you know, testing your metal is uh gonna be very important here. I'm just curious if if the Italians just have a bit too much heat for them. Well, and Peter Shad said it last week, and, and it seems like in any sport they always say, you know, defense wins championships. Mm-hmm. The the Italians have, have proven that they, they can play well defensively. You know, they sat back a bit against Belgium in the second half. They didn't necessarily go for it. Outside of some diving and theatrics on the Italian side, I've been super impressed with the way they play and what they do. Have a key injury, though, now, and, and it looks like Emerson will come into the side mm-hmm. and, and play at left back. But... Bottom line, the Spain team's been hard for me to read, hard to figure out. You're right. They, they they look like they can put up eight goals at times, but also concede three or four. I I, I don't know where they are in their development of the tournament as, as these teams that get better as the tournament progresses, but I'm sure Italy's not taking them for granted because they have some very creative and attack-minded and, and some – interesting players it's just for me a very difficult to get a read on them and i wouldn't be so shocked Vic, if, if they knocked off italy and then went on and maybe knocked off england and won the whole thing but i also don't know that they play well enough defensively to do that it's it's a real riddle for me uh, that side in this tournament i will say one thing with the final four it feel it feels like we got the four funnest teams right like french has got all this talent but they you know, like the, the chemistry wasn't really, really there. And you're seeing all these stories come out about some infighting amongst the French cap. So it, it makes sense that, hey, they weren't necessarily playing the best. But the Danes have been one of the most fun teams to watch. And here they are. Uh, England, as far as storylines go and in conversations, one of the most fun teams, probably the most fun team in the tournament. Italy and Spain been very attractive when they're on the pitch. And so... Just kind of goes to this idea that like the the teams that are trying to generate the most chances, and I know some of the advanced stats point to these four teams create the most shot attempts, if not the most uh, shots on goal, just the most attempts. Uh, these four teams have probably been the most uh, fun to watch over the course yeah, of and the, the entire Euros. I agree, and and the thing with Denmark and England will have to be careful of this is not to give up set pieces corners free kicks and that because Denmark out of all the remaining countries really has done well off the set pieces and and kind of applied their trade but that's not to say that the Danes can't get after you either they get get up and down the field they can attack it's going to be some really 
interesting cat and mouse tactics, strategy, all that sort of stuff. And and with England being at home, that might be the deciding factor in all this. Is although you know, again, anyone but England. That that's my saying in all this. I I just I couldn't imagine or do not want to imagine how they're going to react if if it is in fact coming home. So I will continue to root against it coming home. Uh, a lot of people are mad at the Tampa Bay mayor uh, right now, 650-650 into the Dunbar. What, for ripping Lumber- off Sat's voice? <laughs> what, what are they mad at? <laughs> oh, just uh, that, that that level of hubris. Uh, Canucks fans did that in 2011. Some of us wanted to lose in Boston to win it at home. We were so arrogant. How did that work out for us? Uh, and then uh, this one from Rocket and Langley. I'm sure the owner of Tampa Bay wouldn't, ma- wouldn't mind a couple of more home gates raking in the millions. I think... Game five, okay. I don't think you want to push it to game seven. Just get it done and uh, be, be be thrilled uh, with the the cup instead of an extra gate. Do you think this would be different, though? All kidding aside, had they not won in the bubble last year, had had there been a regular, you know, Stanley Cup run where there were home games where there were fans, I wonder if some of this has to do with the fact that. You know, you saw Tampa try to get some family members into Canada and the Canadian government and the Quebec government denied entry to people outside of what was currently in their, I'll say, mini bubble up. They weren't going to let people just come into the country to celebrate a Stanley Cup. So perhaps because of the the way last year played out and, and listen, it was a tough tournament to win a lot of days in a hotel room and not doing anything else but but going to practice and then sleeping, eating and then playing some hockey. Maybe that has something to do with it as well, with the mayor, you know, pining for a, a home ice Stanley Cup win. Thank you, Zara. Craig McEwen here. We'll get to a couple of your submissions of uh, what piece of Canucks history would you want to own? Just want to update you. Uh, uh, the Minnesota Wild have uh, made another signing here. Nick Bukestad, uh, reported by Mike Russo, uh, have signed a one-year $900,000 contract. Uh, look, another big body, a guy who had – uh, just twenty some odd points last year. Um, this is the kind of depth signing that you would hope the Canucks try to grab as well. You know, the, he's going to play in the bottom six for them. But as far as what the Canucks would try to do, that price range makes sense for if if you were going to bring back a Brandon Sutter, like in and in around that range. This is what you have to try to focus on for for cost allocation for cap allocation that that bottom part of your roster these are the type of contracts you have to give out yeah totally agree because money matters especially for the Canucks right at this moment and again we don't know what's going to happen even with with Jay Beagle and what his health situation is like and where he's trending some are suggesting that you know it could be a, a real problem for him and others are saying hey maybe he he'll be ready for camp so Looking at all this, and and as you said, that number seems to make the most sense when it comes to a Sutter or someone else for that matter. Uh, We'll get to a couple more submissions here. Uh, I love this one. Uh, J.J. Dagenaux's crutches. Crutches. J.J. Daniels' crutches, yes. Daniels? That was... Yeah, Yeah. Daniel. If if, for those who don't remember... So that was what, 84, uh, 85? Somewhere in the 80s, yeah. yeah. The memory's foggy, but, you know, the Canucks draft this defenseman. He showed up on the stage in crutches. We're like, oh, great. Awesome. Draft the guy who's got an injury already. So, yeah, Daniel's crutches. That's a good one. That that would be amazing. Uh, <laughs> just niche. 
Perfect. Uh, Luongo's gear when Henrik scored his thousandth point against him. Yeah, that 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 would be a good one. That that's one of those things where people would walk in and go, you know, why do you have all that goalie gear hanging? <laughs> was it was it a great save? Oh no, actually, no. Henrik uh, pulled this off against uh, his former teammate. I'm trying to think of other like famous goals where yeah the goalie's gear would be fun to have like uh who was in net when berated the uh stick to skate was it andy moog i want to say yes that's ringing a bell that was a beautiful goal or when joel Otto kicked it in you know like <laughs> for the flames he still to this day that puck was kicked in you want the gear from that yeah, yeah, that, that that would be or the puck. Just you know that that was so frustrating that that puck, that and and for the entire year after watching Smeal come down the wing, and I think someone put this in here, the puck that he missed on the shot on Vernon that didn't go in, mm-hmm. uh, reliving that hockey night in Canada over and over and over again, Smeal not scoring. So what about uh, the netting of the net from Lidstrom's goal? Huh. Yes. Now, like, he didn't pierce the net or anything like that, but it, it'd it be the memento from that. Yeah. Adam, the former bath guy, John Garrett's all-star game gear. <laughs> that would be great. Or the car that Semenko stole from Cheech. Yeah. And it was given to him by Gretzky, obviously. But, you know, Gretzky wins the car, and the story goes, I believe it was Lanny McDonald kept skating down to Cheech after Gretzky went to work and said, oh, there goes the hubcap. Oh, there's the steering wheel. Oh, there, there goes the trunk. You know, and then he had the uh, the balls to give it to Semenko instead of keeping it himself. So that, that car might be good. Uh, this one, uh, Adam, the former bath guy, again, one of Berkey's ties. I mean, just yeah, really, he all, just always undone or off to the side because yeah. he looked like he'd just come out of some sort of crazy meeting. Yep. Can I say uh, I want keep... I want Hopi's pads from that barrel roll save he made earlier this year, just because we're around the same height and I could use a new set of pads. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, keep them coming in six fifty six fifty. What about uh, some Brian Burke Chaw? You know how you used to look up at the Berkey in the in the press box and you give the thumbs up and you have the big yeah. piece of Chaw in between his lips and he'd be just like, yeah. What about some of that? Uh, a lot coming in for other teams. We're looking for Canucks-specific ones. Uh, keep the submissions coming in. We'll do it on the People's Show as well. Uh, your favorite or what piece of Canucks history would you want to own? We'll throw it by uh, Sat and Dan as well on the way uh, on the People's Show. See what they have to say. Uh, keep them coming. 650-650 here on the home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. Here's what we would like. We keep hoping 